1: Welcome to another episode of Tactical Tuesday. Today, John and I are going to be diving into some multi-way spots. Um, some multi-way madness and just going through and hopefully helping you navigate multi-way pots with a little bit more precision. And yeah, that's that's the intro for today's show. John, what's going on, man? Not much. I always love talking about multi-way spots. I feel like it's still kind of
2: like one of the one of the uh unconquered frontiers of, you know, No Limit Hold'em where there's still like lots of very good players doing very different things, lots of different opinions on everything from what size you should use on the flop to see better, whether you should even see better at all. So I think this is going to be a, a, a pretty fun episode where you're going to see me get put in a lot of confusing situations.
1: Well, I, I agree with part of that. But as somebody that has analyzed data and coached a billion people and reviewed, Infinite hand histories, I can say that there are many more frontiers that are still <laughs> available to uh, to improve and get better at. Um, but yes, it's there's limited information in multiway spots uh, in Solverland, and you know specifically when pots go multiway, they, they generally tend to involve some sort of recreational player in the mix. That's going to just really affect decision making. Um, and then like you know in live poker even in online poker, you know you take a flop four ways you just forget about it like I just we'll probably never know how to how to effectively play like a four way um post flop pot so yeah, cool excited to dive in we got we got four hands coming the listeners' way, which is ah wow, it's like a early christmas present or something multi way pots multi multi hand episode ah the multi multi <laughs> got it got it uh you wanna get a rep in. Breaking down this, oh, this hand, is like it- the
2: hardest part of every episode? Um, <laughs> under, the, under the gun opens, we're playing 2-5, uh, uh, like the fast fold format. Um, so we don't really have any info on any of the players. Under the gun opens to 2.5 big blinds, though. So let's just go ahead and assume he is a reg. Got ace, jack of hearts on the button. Um, make it 8 big blinds. And as you alluded to in the intro, these multiway pots often include some sort of fish or recreational player. And the big blind decides to cold call the three bet. I think here we can be very certain that the big blind is a fish or recreational player. Almost. I've never seen a, a strong reg or any reg really have a, have a flatting range in this situation, especially a hundred big blinds effective. Um,
1: and under- if you do yeah. have a flatting range in this spot, you should check out Preflot Bootcamp or live pre Preflot Bootcamp because it'll let you know you should not have a flatting range in this scenario. Um, I would say, so the reg's clearly going to call since you're, the theme is, mm-hmm. is multi-way, but what do you read into the reg calling here? Because I think it, it is a pretty big information gain when the reg doesn't 4 and the reg calls.
2: Yeah. Um, so... I guess I'm gonna guess what you're getting at is that the fish being in there um, starts kind of warping the regs incentives a little bit from what they would normally be in this in a heads up situation, or maybe if it was like a um, it's hard to imagine a, a reg fighting in the blinds, but like warping their incentives in a way to like probably play lot more hands with the fish. I mean, you have this opportunity to be in position versus a recreational player. So I think there's like one argument for, um, expanding your flatting range. I think there's also an argument for, uh, squeezing a little bit more or like expanding your four bet range. Um, which is, I think the argument for that is that oftentimes what's going to happen is, um, the in position three better or myself in this spot with the ace jack of hearts is, you know, just going to fold and just going to play their normal pre-flop strategy. And the fish who's shown that they're, extremely sticky and do strange things like cold call three bets might just call out of position again and you get to, um, kind of isolate the fish, um, and, um, you know, play in position versus them in a, in a spot where they're extremely, extremely capped. Um, and because of the way four bet sizes are preflop, you can actually kind of do that for like a, a pretty cheap price, right? Like you, you don't need to make it, you know, $160 here or something like that to, to, um, get the button to fold. So, um, I think there's arguments for, for. You know, expanding both your flatting range and four betting more.
1: Yeah, and I would say like if we go back to this node here, like one click back, right? So there's ninety five dollars in the pot before the player who opened in the low jack calls the the three bet. So that's twenty big blinds, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of you know money in the middle that they can take advantage of, um, especially when you three bet the button and you're going to have like you know hands like king queen off. I mean, you have a very foldable range to four bets and the big blind is pretty capped, right? So like I would expect, you know, when they flat, there's a lot of removal to the top end of their range. Um, Just ace, king, probably even all the ace, queens off are are removed. Aces, kings, queens, um, probably even jacks are going to be removed as well as like a smattering of like, you know, some suited broadways that feel okay for betting like king, queen suited potentially. Um, so yeah, like to me, this flat here is pretty telling and, and the non-4 is also pretty telling and just pretty indicative. Like, you know, if I were to be a betting man, I, I would range the reg here as having something like, you know, the suited aces, um, like ace 10 through ace do suited, um, suited broadways, small pocket pairs and suited connectors. Um, that, that to me would be like Pretty much their entire range, um, so yeah. Just that's the information that you know I'm kind of going into this flop with, and then you know the big blind I'm not really sure. You know I think typically could be. I mean I've I've seen it happen with like deuces before. I've seen it happen with like a suited. Like there, there's a smattering of different hands that that the big blind could have. So I don't really know yet. I'm going of just kind of wait and realize more information and then try to make a make a better decision post flop.
2: So yeah, that sounds good.
1: Lowjack calls. There's 122.5 in the pot. The flop is queen 10-9, rainbow. So you have an open ender. Um, no backdoor flush draw. And you have a pretty good open ender too, right? Where you're, uh, you know, the, the king makes the nut straight. Um, so now we're here on the flop. You have the option of betting or checking.
2: Yeah, this is honestly where the... First, my first question start for this hand. Um, I think just on the surface, my hand seems like a very comfortable bet. I have a really good open ender, you know, like you said, with the with the king being especially good for my hand and, and um, you know, really good for stacking other jacks. This hand can call a check raise if I do see bets. So it's not like
1: it's, it's not you know, loving very, it, right?
2: Yeah, it's not loving it. It's not like we ever get blown off our equity. That being said, I think that when I do call a check raise with ace jack, and improve to a hand that can call future bets, they often don't bet worse hands on an eight or a king. So yeah. like my implied odds, like while I can call the checkers, my implied odds of calling the checkers, I think are, are very, very low, right? It's not like pocket tens just goes broke on a king turn or an eight turn or something like that, or a king river, an eight river. Um, so I actually decided to play pretty conservatively here and um, check back. I think, oh, sorry. There's another big thing that I should mention is like what my perception of what the big blinds um, cold calling ranges once I, once I three bet, uh, assume it's going to have a lot of middling pocket pairs, like pocket tens, pocket nines, eight, sevens, like that sort of range. And maybe even Jack's, um, I it's think it's going to have, yeah, I think it's going to have some suited, maybe even some offsuit broadways that aren't good enough to four bet, but you know, fish don't want to fold them pre-flop like queen, jack, king queen, ace, queen suited. Um, so I think like this, this board texture and like this kind of middling, um, these like middle cards are, just sort of smash like the big blinds cold calling range, unless they have a pocket pair that just, you know, now just sees three overs. So, um, I thought there was a very good chance that I do get check raised by the big blinds cold calling range on, on this board texture. Don't really have much to say about under the gun. I mean, he could have a set here. He could have a straight, he could have deuces through, you know, eights and just also see three over cards with a pocket pair. That's going to fold. He can have all the suited aces that, yeah. like you said, that's going to have nothing. So, not putting too much thought into the under-the-gun regs range and really just concerned that I'm going to get check raised at a really high frequency by the big blind's uh, cold calling range preflop.
1: Yeah, and just prioritizing you know equity realization and kind of seeing what happens on the turn. Yep. So you check behind, turn's a deuce, so not much happened here on the turn. Um, the big blind checks again, the low jack checks again, and now it is your action. Both players have double-checked. There's 122.5 in the pot, and you know, everybody's, the, the rec has both players covered and, you know, you guys have about 500 behind. Mm-hmm.
2: Um So now I'm a little less concerned that both either of the ranges contain super strong hands that are going to be able to check raise the turn. So I think that concern goes down um significantly on the turn. The new concern for me on the turn is that now my bluff targets are pretty narrow. The hands that I'm targeting to fold, right, are essentially like so the better hands that I'm targeting to fold are essentially like the pocket pairs, the pocket eights through now pocket threes, I guess. Um and I need both of them to have pocket pairs in order to to win right now. If not, then you know, what what exactly am I accomplishing
1: by betting here with Ace Jack? Um you also have like a repability Hi. problem, right? Like yeah. checking back the flop. It's like, okay, like, so I check back the flop three ways and mm-hmm. you know, like you could have aces or Kings and you could have ace queen or king, queen as well. So like th- those hands you, you, you maintain, but that's mm-hmm. pretty much the extent of it, right? Like you, you only have single paired hands basically after you check back the flop. And yep. so like sticking your neck out there, having only single paired hands could be pretty t- treacherous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a- another, benefit to to checking behind the flop.
2: Mm-hmm. Um or the turn. So that I turn. check behind yeah. on the turn. Um again just trying to realize equity. Um thinking that I don't have big, a big enough target to fold out on the river and we just get the the dream river, we get the king of diamonds so the final board is queen 10 9 deuce king. I have ace jack, river the nuts. Really really just praying someone else has a jack here somehow.
1: Really? That's what you're praying for now? Yeah. <laughs>
2: If it's not, if it's not, (laughs) I just wanted to let everyone know that I'm I'm sane.
1: So check back, pray to cooler the living bejesus out of somebody. This is multi-way hand number one, ladies and gents. (laughs) Um, Oh, yes. And this is pretty much the dream, right? Like you get the The big bet on the river, the wreck, (laughs) big betting on the four straight, And yeah, it's just, it's, it's pretty much over here. Just wave it off. Call it, call it the fight. Yep. Yep. Um no size selection here on the four straight when you have the nuts and they they big bet, you basically just have to jam. There there is no no alternative here on the river. So not not gonna discuss it. I'm facing a small bet.
2: Yep. Yeah, so would I. I don't think it would, like their size doesn't matter. I'm just I'm just trying to cool her a jack. And so you bet small, you bet medium, you bet big. I'm my only size here is gonna be to jam.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like you're you're trying to like carve out a a size that gets called more frequently by like two pairs and misses value from like Jack X just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Like it would make sense to me against a, a more sophisticated opponent, I, I think, but in this situation, it's like, you know, like if you have a Jack, I'm just going to stack you. And yeah. that's, that's the mission. Yeah.
2: That's going to be my priority. Yep.
1: Yep. Um, so shocking right. villain calls and they flopped a straight, which makes your, Hoo-wee. We had the we had the eight on the river. That that one not so good. Um, the king, pretty good though. Oh. To be fair though, on the eight, villain's gonna bet eighty five, and they're gonna win eighty five. I because I can't imagine you raising the river.
2: You know when you start thinking about that kind of stuff, and like let's say somehow we're the guy that bets the river here, and you get jammed. On, like, should you call with a jack? You should not. Yeah, right. It's but, like I I don't think I would jam queen jack. You know, whatever random Jack X I have on this river, I just call because they can have Ace Jack. So yeah, I think that's pretty crazy that, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy on on, on the surface, but like, yeah, I think, you know, bet folding King Jack here is, is the right thing to do.
1: I agree. I mean, I can't really think of like, you know, like maybe if you double check aces, like that would be your, like the the only bluff that I could really imagine would be like blocking Ace Jack. Like trying to make, make somebody fold folded, Jack. Okay, yeah. I mean, if, if that's if that's the level you're operating on, then you you get the pot, buddy. Um, you win because holy cow, that that's yeah. you check the aces back on the turn. Quite the, <laughs> quite, that's the quite 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 the insane kamikaze move. I like it, and I want to reward it if villain does in fact go that route. Um, so hand number two here in multi-way madness. Um, let's get crazy. Holy cow. So we have a low jack open. We have a uh, cut off call, a button call. You're in the small blind with Jacks. um Pretty much 100 big blinds deep with most players. I can't imagine you doing anything other than squeeze here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go ahead and squeeze to 70, which is 14 big blinds. Pretty small, huh? Yeah, we could make it bigger. Maybe. It...
0: Yeah.
2: I, I think, think 14 I go 80, big blinds might be the. Yeah, I think fourteen big blinds is probably is my size when it goes open call. Um, so I think when it goes open call, call should definitely a reason for sizing up. Uh, yeah, sizing up more than fourteen.
1: And you know we're, we're we're about to take a bunch of players to the flop. Um, low jack calls, <laughs> cutoff calls, <laughs> and the button calls. We got we got a bunch of hitchhikers with us. That uh, is
2: like my like a, your local live one too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Here we go. So four ways. Two eighty-five in the pot. Holy cow! The flop is seven, five, three. Rainbow. What a situation with Jax. Let's. I, I want to hear your thoughts because, like this, this is like talk about uncharted territory, right? Like this, this is pretty crazy. My
2: thoughts here are, I'm just so torn between what what to do. I think like my my. Two options that I was considering in game was check and just like check my entire range here, which I think holistically is a fine strategy. Uh then I think about checking jacks here. And if it does get checked through, what do I do on the turn? Like I'm just in the dark and guessing on I don't know how many different turns: four, six, seven, five, three, ace king, queen. Um, am I excited to start putting money in on a ten or a nine or an eight, even like versus versus three players so should i just like bet the flop here and try to cooler a you know a one pair hand or maybe an overpair like a small overpair like eights or nines um
1: yeah should I, I go
2: for a check jam and hope that those hands just bet the flop like oh.
1: uh, i feel like you're, you're you're one of those like cartoon characters that gets in a situation and they just have like question marks that just come out of it yeah yeah, yeah like yeah, oh yeah. my god what, what, what the heck is going on and uh, my 15 second timer is going down yeah so <laughs> Pretty quickly, the the plan that you know I, I could come up with um, that seems or feels the best to me would be to bet half of the button stack um, and probably fold to a jam and just anybody kind else. Of, put yeah, the buttons, yeah, fold fold to a jam from UTG or UTG plus two. I don't think they're jamming worse hands on seven five three rainbow. Like it's really UTG tough. plus
2: two could be. Probably not UTG, but UTG plus two, a guy who flats an open in the cutoff. And then maybe, you know, who knows what this, that guy (laughs) is.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. But basically I would bet half of the button stack and play it pretty tentatively and kind of just see what happens. So like one of the players calls in the middle and the button jams, that would be pretty much the torture zone because then I'm paranoid that the flatter just flatted with a set and i'm about to own myself
2: so give him the money
1: up yeah i i don't know what what action you took i think checking is probably the worst though oh. due to f- the four way action and the fact that like you can't bet a queen king ace six or four on the turn um i think checking
2: here the argument for checking here is like counting on somebody to bet the flop and probably bet with like not enough equity given given this multi-way situation
1: maybe but like what do you know about the bet when they bet right you're just hoping that they're betting too often and they're not just like value betting yeah yeah right yeah. like that that to me is like the problem is like well we're hoping somebody bets but we don't actually like there's no like guarantee yeah, they that bet, betting it's not like, oh,
2: yeah there's no guarantee that they bet and then when they bet it's not like you're throwing a parade to right. like put all the money in versus their betting range so like yeah okay right. um, um all that being said that's what i decided to do <laughs> yeah i know
1: <laughs> I I could have predicted that, that you were going to check. And so you check, Lojack checks, and then the cutoff bets 75% pot-ish? Half which, my stack?
2: More than half my stack?
1: More than half your stack. It puts the button all in. Um, what a spot. Holy mother of God.
2: I don't I actually didn't really think much about this spot i just thought that the cutoff is a fish once he does all this pre-flop stuff and
1: yeah well there's two there's two options clearly right you're not folding
2: okay okay sorry yeah
1: there's raise or call Mm -hmm. i kind of like calling Mm -hmm. even though it seems on the surface like a little bit wild i do wonder if like the utg player here I think there's like a, a world where like if you call and UTG jams that you could probably fold jacks and save the 40 big blinds. Um and it doesn't really matter what the Turner River card is as it relates to the cutoff because yeah. the money's just going in like oh, pretty much every single time. So like yep. that's that to me would be the the path would be like just flat, see if UTG does decide to because I think they 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 probably check a set here. Like, it's not, like, out of the realm of possibility, like, Lojack just checks a set on the flop. Um, So, anyway, that's what I would do. I imagine you jam, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could almost, like, predict the exact way that you're going to play this hand. Um, So, mercifully for you, I, I kind of... There's like a sadist part of me that like just wishes low Jack would just like oh, snap, no, snap no, call all no, in. No, no, I mean, no, how no. bad is it when low Jack just snap calls all in, right? You're like, well, come on, Jack. Hopefully uh, he doesn't have. <laughs> and the cutoff calls and get seven on the turn queen on the river cutoff has pocket sixes. So hip, hip hooray. The, the Jack's hold. Um, I have no idea. Again, we it's uncharted territory, right? So, who who am I to say what's the right way or wrong way? To I, play,
2: play? I really like the um, I like I'm not as sold on like the, the betting the flop strategy, but I really like the calling the bet strategy from the cutoff. Like, I think that's definitely something that I should have um, should have given more consideration. It's probably something that I thought like I, I imagine that that's something that I thought about in game because, like you said, there are really only two options facing that bet it's to call or to raise and or call or to jam. Um, and yeah, now that you kind of like I don't think I was like thinking clearly enough about like why what what calling gets me. And then now when you like kind of frame it in terms of like, okay, like under the gun, once I call is like almost never jamming anything other than a set or like two pair, maybe like ace four suited or something like that. But even that might just might just call given that they clearly have no fold equity versus or it looks like they have no fold equity versus me and maybe not even the cutoff. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's like the big takeaway for me from this hand I, is... I also
1: think like ace four suited almost certainly bets the flop too yeah
2: just bets the flop like they, yeah, yeah.
1: They, it generally just doesn't doesn't check because yep. yep. double gut shot this could happen and then some but, kind of yeah. backdoor like whatever yeah. um cool so man big first half here on tactical Tuesday Stick round after the break we got two more multi-way spots coming at you
0: the CPG Wolves
2: I'm more organized, I'm more productive, I eat better, I sleep better, I exercise consistently because I just live a more structured life due to this program.
0: Having this much poker brain power in one place
2: is a recipe for great things. My favorite aspect of Being a wolf is the sense of community. Having that network to bounce ideas off and learn from each other. Poker is a brutal game. (laughs) So, yeah, if you're committed to poker, joining CPG Wolves will be the best decision that you can make.
0: The data doesn't lie. We know things that other people don't know. I like it that way. I hate that you're advertising. I hope nobody else ever joins. (laughs) So, yeah, I like it. Go to wolftryouts.com to apply. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. The Preflop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true... Range advantage, eight days of guided training, over sixty optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com/Bootcamp. Available now.
1: All right, welcome back to the back half of today's Tactical Tuesday. In you know breaking down some multiway spots. Mr. John, why don't you get right into the action here?
2: Yep, same format as the first two hands. Um <laughs> face a 3x open from a uh <laughs> 10 big blind stack. Um sometimes this happens in the fast fold cuz you don't you don't you don't always get a chance to reload after you lose a big pot or something like that or you make a big big call on the river that doesn't go well. So anyways, we have a 10 big blind stack that's opening to 3 big blinds. I'm in the small blind with Ace King offsuit, um, about 120 big blinds effective with big blind. I three bet to 12 bigs. Don't really mind what happens after this um, from no. under the gun at least, and well, get another cold call from the big blind. Do you think you can uh, make all the same like fish assumptions here that we normally do, or is there anything that like changes your thought process because under the gun is short, and you know even if they do jam the action is still uh. closed.
1: God, what a, what a very weird situation. So like this, this cold call is different than most cold calls because of what you said, like the, you know, the hijack actions close closed. Yeah. The, the hijack player is going to be all calling all in. They only yep. have $35 behind. So like, I mean, the, the way that I would think the big blind, if if they're a rag and, and thinking about the spot would play it, um, probably for betting a little bit lighter um, just because of the way that this is kind of set up that, you know, you, you could be three betting the the hijack player, like, you know, pretty linearly. I mean, it's basically just going to be linearly like ace-jack off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would expect them to four bet, to, to have a four betting range. The part of their range that like makes me confused is their value range. I think it would be pretty easy to slow play value here from the big blinds perspective, just because of how this situation is set up. And that's a little bit like I'm already like a little tentative here pre-flop. Wouldn't
2: the action being closed even if under the gun jams sort of dissuade you from wanting to slow play your value? Because you can't really get like the the dream preflop scenario where you like slow play your value here and then under the gun jam. Well, under the gun is all
1: in. So
2: Right, right. So what I'm saying is that, like, wouldn't that, you know, the fact that Undergun is basically all in, like, I, I, to me, like, that that sounds like an argument to not slow play your value. Because, like, one of the reasons to slow play value in this spot is, like, the dream spot where the Undergun is 100 big blinds effective and decides to 4-bet after you, like, cold flat. And then somehow the small line puts all the money in and you get to go three all in three ways with aces or something like that, right? Um, I
1: think here, the it's cold 4-bet like, here with the, with the one player all in is just it's been like, it's like obvious. Yeah. Like, like that, that's, that's what I'm afraid of. Essentially. Yeah. It's okay. Like the, okay. Like, it's just obvious that, you know, you, you have a hand, you're okay. Like taking the showdown, like you don't really care what I have. You don't care what Lojack has. So that, that to me is like, why I'm a little bit tentative kind of from out of, out of the gate. Gotcha. You can finish your thought by the way. Didn't mean to interrupt.
2: No, no, no. I think that's, 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 um, I think that's, that's a good reason for that's a good argument for just like having a flat in range It's just like the the sheer strength that you give off when you decide to forbet this range. I'm I'm basically saying I'm happy getting it in and in with under the gun for 10 big blinds. And big blind is saying I don't care that you're happy to get it in with 10 big blinds. I'm happy to get it in with you for like even more. Um and my I, hand like I have no bluffs here because I know that like I'm getting it in with under the gun if you know no matter what. So like I don't have that many very many low equity hands here. Um so yeah, yeah, I I I, I see what you're saying now. Um, that being said, we we don't know anything about the big blind, which is sort of the the fun thing. You could just that's be a, a a whale. That's yeah, that just wants to see the flop for for sixty dollars and, and is happy to pay. So here we I go. No
1: idea. Yep. Which means that missing that data point means I'm almost uh, the live poker. I can almost check in the dark here um, on the flop, regardless of what the flop is. I think would probably be my strategy, um, but we'll see king queen five what do you know that's a flop where i'm checking (laughs) um spoiler alert i don't think there's any flop where i would be betting outside of maybe queen jack 10 but uh, even that i'm not sure
2: yeah i um i think what my actual thought process was in game was i just uh is this what you were saying that you you were just going to peg the big blind likely likely as a fish like that's just how you're going to like I don't when know. you said like the live poker thing no. oh oh.
1: no no the live the live poker thing was like i don't know whether big blind is like a whale or a reg oh i see so i want to check to see what happens
2: gotcha gotcha and gotcha. if like
1: i check and they bet half yeah okay okay now I, I can be pretty sure that that villain's probably a fish gotcha like if they bet a quarter i'm pretty sure that they're a reg right and either like them giving away some sort of sizing selection here is going to heavily influence how I think about the rest of the hand and how I play the hand. Wow. Okay.
2: Well, now I know what my biggest takeaway from this hand is going to be. Um, yeah, I didn't, I think that's, I think that's so good. I didn't think about that. Like, like, I think that's something that I really should have thought about free flop where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to be confused. Like I'm confused right now as to like what player profile this player is. And I can do something on the flop to clear that up for me. right? And that's just checking and giving them an opportunity to, to set a bet size or even bet at all or something like that, depending on depending on what the flop is. And I can use that information later down the line on the turn, the river, or maybe even later on the flop right, to decide whether or not to check raise or call or fold or something like that. Um, but all of that hinges on me getting some sort of info from the big blind. And I can only get that info if I check.
1: Correct. That's why I said like pre-flop, I would check in the dark
2: that's why i did this
1: <laughs> so john Vets the <laughs> third i
2: thought the big blind was i, I think i just like in game i just decided to play this hand like he was a more likely to be a fish than a whale and so i thought that like a lot of his um fish lot of his rather, rather
1: games, fish or whale rather than a reg right
2: yeah 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 oh sorry sorry yeah that's what i meant um i'm just gonna have like you know the types of hands that we said that the fish have in the in the previous two hands when they cold call a three but like king jack suited ace queen um yeah, I don't know what else. I assume Ace King just just puts it in preflop for the most part, but you know, fish can. Wouldn't be crazy to see a fish flat that hand. So I thought I was getting, I was going to try to get like a few streets of value at least from the range that, um, uh, like the suited Broadway range that isn't good enough to four bet or fish don't four bet and, um, yeah, just go from there.
1: <laughs> All right. But
2: this could be well, a really strong player that you know.
1: Now I, we're now we're off in no man's land, basically on the turn here, so. I said a couple
2: streets of value. So I had a plan (laughs) here.
1: I guess you're in in man's land. Every man's land. Um, The opposite. So you bet a third. They call King Queen five. Rainbow is a flop. Turn is a deuce of hearts. Full rainbow. 281 in the pot. Um, I guess you're just going to bet.
2: Yep. Going to keep betting small.
1: Yep. So you go a third again. All right. I'm just, I'm along for the ride at this point. Uh, I don't know. I don't (laughs) know where we're at. You got
2: off on the flop.
1: (laughs) I'm. I'm like blindfolded and gagged in the back seat. <laughs> um you bet they call Rivers a six. There's four sixty four in the pot. You have four forty six. I don't know if that's a coincidence, but um Yeah, I don't I don't think what? I was
2: really I, don't, I was not like setting up stacks deliberately here. I was just mostly betting sizes where I was like where I was certain that, you know, the worst suited Broadways are are gonna be calling, even like Ace Queen, you know. We look down at like third, third, and, and, you know, might just call in position. So I think we could even target sort of like the, the non King X Bluff catchers in his range when we, when I size down that small.
1: All right. So here on the river, I just have to imagine you bet a third again. I can't really think, I can't see you doing anything else mm-hmm. at, this, at this point. There's 464 in the pot. Villain has you covered and you got 446. So you bet a third because, Thirty percent is a or thirty three percent, whatever is a is a number that I pressed
2: one hockey three times the second. You
1: really you really like your Homer Simpson with the bird. And villain jams. Nice. Got everything you wish for. All the actions.
2: Thought this was just a, a snapfold. Yeah, I mean it, you have any- it
1: it appears to be a snapfold. Like again, it would be pretty helpful to know the villain profile of this situation um if villain is a fish i think folding is like pretty clear if villain is a rag i don't know because you've just gone third 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 in a spot where like you could easily value you know value jam Yep. um so but yeah i mean i, I think given the information that you have you basically just fold
2: yeah i thought he was a, again i was just playing the hand as if i was playing versus the fish
0: no
1: And you got bluffed. Uh, So the big blind had King 10, which is, man, what a glorious way to play King 10. Like, I thought it was
2: a fish, and now I've changed my mind. Like, after looking at the hand, I'm questioning my decision to bet the flop even more.
1: (laughs) Yep. Well, that's why it's important to know who you're playing against. Um, So basically, the villain in this hand jammed the river, folded out the best hand isolated themselves against the worst hand and scooped everything, which good job to villain. I think I need to invite him on tactical Tuesday to <laughs> share, share their thoughts because th- this is a really well-played hand. If, if everything is intentional,
2: I think I'm inclined to think that everything is intentionally. I mean, we, again, not, we'll never know for sure, but like after seeing, like after like looking up the hand, I was like, Oh man, this is, I'm pretty sure I just just got caught here. And,
1: yeah, I mean, they can jam ace-queen, uh, too. Yeah,
2: like, like, I mean, what's the difference between ace-king and king-ten? We're just, like, any hand that gets to the river where I decide to bet a third and, like, basically wave a flag that says, like, yo, I don't have the top end of my value here because I was just jam aces and, like, yep
1: kings and pocket
2: kings and pocket queens and, pocket queens and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah. I, how how I, much
1: I, better is life, you know? If we go back here to the flop and you just check and it goes check-check. Like, oh just, oh, wow, they just washed out most of their top end value now you just get to like blast and jam river and like get value from king ten,
2: yeah or ace queen. Just stack ace queen maybe sometimes yeah. you know like yeah. Well, uh, yeah, nice. that's why that you that I mean you'll see it on the replay. My look of despair when you suggest talked about why checking the flop was good and I was like oh my god
1: that's this is exactly
2: why <laughs> this is exactly what I missed in, in my review of this hand. Nice. I didn't even think about that. That like the whole like look let them kind of reveal what type of player they are by checking the flop. I looked at the hand and I was like, "Oh my god, I got got and didn't think about how I could have not gotten got." Um <laughs> yeah, that's fuck
1: Nice. You got some salt in the wound here on tactical 2 This is pain <sighs> for here, This man. is how you learn, though.
2: This is a, I'm never going to I'm I'm never going to like just blindly see about the flop again in this multi-way spot where I like flop like you know, like I'm 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 going to know exactly what I I'm going to know exactly what to do next time I'm confused about a player profile.
1: You know, you know, like we we have one more hand to go, but this has always been the beauty of, of coaching you is that these kind of things tend to only happen once. Um, and they resonate, you feel it, you take action and you clear it up. And I think for the listener, you have to do that. That has to be how you play poker, right? You can't just like get feedback and then like throw it away. Be like, Oh, that that's, that's great and like not feel it, not try to incorporate it, and then just make the same mistake again tomorrow. Um, so anyway, let's move on to...
2: That hurts, man, to see the king 10 there. Hand
1: number four, well, again, you know, I think in, in poker, sometimes mistakes can end up making you money over the long run, and I'm glad it hurts because you remember what hurts, right? You, you don't remember all the times your parents tell you don't put your hand on the burning stove. <laughs> You remember the time that you put your hand on the burning yep, stove, right? Yep, yep. Um All right. So final hand. You have the King Five of Diamonds. You open to three X on the button. The small blind calls, which pretty indicative that villain is a recreational player. The big not blind confused, calls. Not
2: confused so about this guy.
1: <laughs> not not confused anymore. Uh, Ace Eight Deuce Rainbow. So you flop King High. No. Not great. Matter.
2: Not 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 terrible.
1: Not great. Not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not worth placing a bet, though. I imagine. Wait, uh, what? I, I imagine you're gonna check. <laughs> oh, thank uh. God! All right. <laughs> this is turning into madness. I can,
2: I can stay on this road.
1: Um. All right. So you check. The turn again is full rainbow. So ace queen eight deuce. The small blind checks. The big blind checks, and I presume you're just gonna check again.
2: No, they're capped, so I decide to start bluffing because how could they have a good hand
1: (laughs) ain't falling for that ain't falling. (laughs) you check again river is a seven of spades so the small blind bets half pot the big blind calls yeah i think you're gonna raise Um, yeah
2: i don't know again this is a spot where like i can't really articulate i couldn't like in 15 seconds, I couldn't, like, clearly form a thought as to why raising felt so good here or felt like the right thing to do. Um,
1: because both players are pretty wide. I think, like, the small blind, you could probably just bluff catch with King high, facing mm-hmm, half. Mm-hmm. And the big blind, if they're thinking, they are going to be aware that they can bluff catch as well with pretty much any pair.
0: Mm-hmm. And so,
1: like, when they call, I think they have just a bunch of, like, low pairs. Mm-hmm. And... The small blind, I think, just could have nothing. They could have, I mean, who who knows what. So basically, like, it just presents itself as a pretty good bluffing opportunity when both players most likely have very, very weak hands. And, you know, you can say you have, like, some kind of repability, right? Like, maybe you rivered a set of sevens. Maybe you, like, rivered a seven. Maybe It's you,
2: really like, funny. Like, whenever I seven, get to these river A7. spots, A7. yeah, that's like, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I would check back seven, eight on the flop and queen seven on the turn and pocket sevens on all three streets. And like, maybe I would check a seven, you know, two streets. That's not that crazy multi-way. So like it's, I have no shortage of things to tell myself that I can represent on the river in these situations, which, which honestly, like that's something that makes me a little bit nervous. Right. I'm just like, I, I feel like I almost like see this or do this, too frequently where i'm like oh look at all the things i can rep like i could i would check that back i would check this back and like you know they're you know how good can how good of a hand can they have when it just goes bet call like
1: they gotta know right like they they have to know that you're raising anything that is not a seven and seven eight right and that that's like that that's a key thing that they can't possibly know is like what your strategy is and that's what protects you yeah when you when you are inevitably over bluffing in this spot um especially Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the fast fold environment where it's like, they just, they don't know what your strategy is. So like the only thing that like the big blind can do to like defend is just call this with like six, seven, and then call your raise and just say, I I don't, I don't believe you. I don't buy it. Right. I mean, if they do that every time, I don't know if it's going to make money. It'll make money against you. I don't know if it'll make money holistically. So yeah, that's, I, I, I agree. Like I, I would, I would probably have called the half, from the small blind and raise once the big blind called as well.
2: Um. Yeah. Okay. I was just gonna ask about sizing here and whether even that's like a huge consideration, right? Like the sizing precision here, it feels like it doesn't. You well, know, you don't want to go too matters. small, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know, I'm sort of repping what I'm repping. They're capped to like what they're capped to, and it's just again sort of regardless of like how. You know, as long as I'm going a reasonably reasonable size, like it doesn't really matter. As long as like it's it's, it's equally uncomfortable to call with your bluff catchers or your one pair of hands facing this race, you know, it doesn't really matter yeah. whether I make it like 80, 90, 100, 110. I think it's all kind of.
1: I probably would have you know, been bigger, 125 yeah. or so. Okay. 128. Like I, I would have erred on the side of bigness. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Do we do it? Boom, boom. Boom, boom. We get the folds. Let's see what these cotton-headed ninny muggins have um small blind god only knows what they could have uh queen jack could be who knows the big so blind
2: is like jack four suited or something
1: i have no idea pocket fours whoa ace nine folds to the river rays that's gonna be a bit of an overfold, i think from the <laughs> the big blind there
2: i could sort of understand like you know, it's like, okay, I call it with ace nine. Like, is this any different when I get raised from eight nine? Or Queen Jack? Or, or like, you know, like
1: Yeah, I mean you block ace seven. Yeah. That would be the that would be the biggest difference. Yep. Uh, so block two pair. I think Queen Jack doesn't I mean it blocks Queen Seven, but you probably don't have you only have two combos of Queen Seven. you may be opening like most of your a seven off on the button, so you got a lot yeah. more of those. yeah, so it is a little bit different, but okay, okay, yeah, I mean, basically, they're calling eighty um and getting like, two point three to one right like thirty mm-hmm. thirty thirty percent equity they need to call the river and mm-hmm. I guess they didn't believe that they had it, so well done. End on a, a,
2: end on a high right. note here instead of the. We,
1: we ended a, ended on a high note. Um, thank goodness we structured the episode this way instead of the hand before. Would have been quite the quite the terrible terrible <laughs> week for you. Um, with all this said, uh, in, in closing, I guess final thing you know like and subscribe on YouTube. Super helpful. These are coming at you every single week. Um, that's all I got.
0: See you
2: next week.
1: Peace.
0: Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast. The CPG Wolves. The people in Wolves are highly intelligent and they're successful. And they're not just successful in poker, they're successful in other realms of life.
2: The coaching in general is very eye-opening. It doesn't take long for your biases and preconceived notions of how poker is played to be out in the open and under the reality of data. Most of us share the same values and goals. So the support and drive to help each other succeed It's just been invaluable. The resources are just endless. Um, I really feel that commitment every single day. I couldn't even beat
0: 50 NL online, and now I'm playing 500 NL.
2: Coach John is just an absolute machine. Coach Brad is pretty much the only person that I would blindly trust to guide me through my poker career.
0: The grass is greener on this side of the fence, and I think you just have a good time too. Go to wolftryouts.com to apply.